everyone. Happy Pride. Welcome to the special Pride edition of the Rehumanize podcast. I'm Emiliano. I am Herb. Hello. Happy June. Happy June. Happy birthday month to me. Happy wow. Sacred Heart month and happy Pride. Happy all of them. Welcome to back to the Rehumanized podcast. We have been slacking yet again in recording episodes, uh, but we are here and we have several more scheduled. So the Rehumanized podcast is back up and running. Um, and what better time to uh, to restart than Pride Month? Um, Last year, we had on Sarah Terzo from the Pro-Life Alliance of Gays and Lesbians. This year, we're having on um, Anna Rogers, who is also from that same organization, although they have recently changed their name. The Pro-Life Alliance of Gays and Lesbians is now known as the Rainbow Pro-Life Alliance. They wanted to update their name with the the new culture and be more inclusive and not just necessarily say gay and lesbian um even though since their inception there's always been obviously bisexual and trans and all different types of people um around now it is just a little bit more inclusive in name so i'm excited to hear from anna um emiliano are you doing anything exciting for pride month or for your birthday month or sacred heart month or any of the other things Um... that you may be celebrating I think for my birthday, I'm going to go to a safari park. What does that mean? Uh, it's like a little safari. They've got... Like a zoo? Like, yeah, it's like a zoo, but you uh, uh, like drive through it. I don't have a car, so that means um... I have to buy uh, the little like double-decker bus seat ticket. But then also, we're being bougie, and we're getting the uh drinks what were the cocktails in the park experience so we're gonna i don't i I don't know how it is uh but i think we're gonna go drink cocktails with giraffes or something i this is a, a safari park that i went to as a kid a lot this was like my like my favorite thing to do and so yeah i'm turning 30 so this is gonna be some uh childhood nostalgia for my entrance into full adulthood i guess nice i hope you have fun are you doing anything for pride month you celebrating we we didn't realize that the parade was yesterday that's okay um we i went to my local pride parade we uh i brought a couple of flyers from the rainbow pro-life alliance um we didn't have a table or anything we just kind of handed them out to the couple people who spoke to us. Um, and it was, it was fine. No one, no one was that mad. Um, and it was a good time. I liked it. I wore my justice for the five shirt as always. I think that we posted about it on social media. Um, but so far it's been an all right pride month here. Um, I think that, uh, before we get Anna on, I wanted to talk a little bit about, why why we do pride month episodes like it's not just because me and Emiliano are part of the lgbt community and so we force rehumanize international to hear about it um that's part of it but really it is that um when this organization was founded by amy murphy um many years ago uh, 12 years ago 11 years ago um 
one of the stated purposes for why she wanted to found an organization and not just necessarily, you know, start working for some other pro-life or consistent life or, um, you know, social justice nonprofit, she felt like she needed her own, um, was partially because of how she felt when she first became pro-life, which was that she basically was alone um, when she became pro-life. And she's spoken about this before. We have videos of it. She also has spoken about her um, conversion on the on the podcast as well. Um, and I encourage people to seek that out because it's a um, really impactful story and one that I can't really do justice to. Um, but she she's spoken about that when she first became pro-life, when she was in high school, um, she sort of looked around. At the time, she identified as an atheist and as a lesbian, um, and she felt like she had no place in the pro-life movement. This was before things like secular pro-life existed. Um, Playgal did exist, but uh, were not super big and kind of were a little dormant at that time. Um, and so she wanted to create this organization, not necessarily that, um, you know, was for LGBT rights, you know, this isn't, we don't necessarily take a stance on same-sex marriage or um, transgender issues or any, or anything like that. Um, but the, the stance that we take is having a welcoming posture to everyone, regardless of what they think or how they identify um, in this spirit of radical inclusivity. Um, and so I think that it's important to state that, that it's not just, okay, it's Pride Month, so we're talking about it, but it's that we're we're talking about this because it's always been a part of this organization from the very beginning, um, from even before we existed as an organization and Amy Murphy was just trying to organize as a pro-life person um, and create a space where she would have felt welcome when she was that, you know, 15, 16 year old, newly pro-life person who looked around and felt like there was no space for her in any movement. Um, so I'm glad that we are here continuing that legacy. Amy, of course, is also still around. Um, she is our current director of special projects at Rehumanize International, but has taken a, a part-time role with the organization. And so I'm happy to continue um, doing that work of being welcoming. Um, and I think that I'm excited about this episode because we're bringing on Anna, who identifies as intersex um, and has, a, I think, a really interesting perspective and um, is sort of themselves breaking down some of the barriers that um, have still exist in the movement, despite the progress that we've made as, um, you know, towards inclusion. Um, and I'm grateful that we can still be a part of broadening people's horizons. And so I hope that if you're listening to this episode and we have something like, you know, intersex rights or Pride Month, something like that in the title, um, and maybe you are someone who doesn't necessarily celebrate Pride Month or you don't really know what these terms mean, um, that you'll you'll listen to this episode with a welcoming um, spirit and try to open your horizons to something that you might not understand because I'd say five years ago, I had no idea what intersex was. And so I think it's important to keep educating and keep educating ourselves um, because despite the progress we've made, um, it's certainly not over when it comes to any of these issues that we're going to talk about in this episode.
So I really appreciate having uh, LGBT guests on. And I think uh, now a year after the Dobbs decision, which also came down during Pride Month, um, it's really important to highlight LGBT voices within the pro-life movement, within the consistent life ethic movement, um, because of just the the mound of contradictions that we have uh, surrounding the diversity of life issues within the U.S. Um, and how nobody is really on the right side of everything. And so our witness and our presence and our ability to just be kind of uh, annoying and uncomfortable for the established narratives about uh, what a pro-life person looks like, what an LGBT person believes uh, is so important. So I always love our Pride Month episode. Um, and yeah, I hope everybody here will too. So with no further ado, let's get started. our special Pride Month episode of the Rehumanized podcast. I'm Emiliano. I'm Herb. Hello. And today we're joined by our guest, Anastasia. Welcome, Anna. So, Anna, tell us a little bit about your involvement in the, I was going to say the movement, but it's really multiple intersecting movements, the pro-life movement, the LGBT rights movement, the um, intersex awareness and inclusion um, and rights movement. So tell us where you are, who you are, and how you're connected to this work. Yeah, so um, my name's Anastasia. Um, I use they, them pronouns, but as I think you guys know, but yeah, so I've been involved in the pro-life movement um, for little over a year at this point. Um, I've been pro-life most of my life, but I haven't really like done much about it, if that makes sense. Um, before that, I was doing like other activism. So I've done a lot in animal rights. And as you mentioned, um, I kind of like with uh, intersex rights, like I've been obviously intersex my entire life. So um, <laughs> I ended up going to a conference when I was like 20 or so, like and I'm 30 now, so like 10 years ago, um, and met like intersex people, kind of got involved a little bit there, and just kind of felt more comfortable with myself. And from there, I started moving forward into other activism, really. So it's kind of been like continuous growth, if that makes sense. And like starting just from figuring out who I am, and then expanding out into how I can stand up for others and how I can like protect the rights of others in these various movements. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. Um, so you identify as intersex, right? Yeah. Can you explain a little bit what that actually means for our audience? Because I think that that word is not totally understood, um, especially in a lot of um, pro-life spaces. I think people don't really know what you're talking about sometimes when you say that. So what's your definition of intersex? Yeah, for sure. Intersex is like an umbrella term um, is a good way to say it. It's kind of this all-encompassing term uh, that applies to anyone who has any kind of biological characteristic that differs from these like perfect boxes of what we think as male or female. Um, so like 
It could be something as minor as uh, genitalia looking a little bit different than um, even like slightly different, really. Like hypospadias is technically like an intersex thing, and that's just a slightly different look. Um, but it also can vary completely to being like what some people would refer to as a hermaphrodite, um, especially back in the day. It's kind of more of a slur at this point, but um, there are a lot of intersex people that are kind of reclaiming it, if that makes sense. Um, but it, it's all these variations that happen naturally in really all or most animals, probably all, but even in humans as well. Um, so specifically, I have androgen insensitivity, which means that like I have XY chromosomes and my body was uh, producing testosterone um, in utero or androgens, whatever specific male hormones. I'm not a doctor, so you'll have to check the exact hormones if you'd like, but producing these hormones that are supposed to like kind of develop me as a male and my body doesn't understand these hormones. Um, so then I end up just like kind of developing a little bit closer to female, but technically I'm like neither uh, female nor male. I'm intersex. And that's kind of just how I was born. Um, there's a lot of different ways that people can be intersex. It's about 2% of the population. And that's even estimated to be like a conservative estimate. Uh, some people say it can be up to 5%. It really depends on like how you're specifically drawing the boundaries. Um, I like to think this whole thing's on a spectrum. Like everyone's sex is on a spectrum, like even to two people who are completely like female, for example, like they're going to look different in different ways. Just like we look different besides our genitals. We all look different with our sexual reproductive anatomy as well. Um, so the whole thing's a spectrum. It's kind of these arbitrary boxes that we've decided as a society are going to be these binaries and intersex people are just people who don't fit there essentially. Um, due to biological differences. How uh, do you think that uh, this identity has informed uh, all of the different activism that you have been involved with throughout all these years? Yeah, so I found that like the really the only hurdle with like, I guess I'll rewind a little bit. Um, so when I started talking about being intersex, like when I like, was public about it. This wasn't until I had already been an activist against, um, I think I was already an activist against like genital cutting in general at this point, um, specifically like focusing on like male circumcision because it's just so common in our country. But um, kind of was already doing that and decided that it was like time to like talk about it publicly. Um, doing so was received pretty well. I think like it was more just the fear of not being understood more than the reality. And I think that comes from, I mean, I don't even think, at least for me, I know it comes from like being raised in an environment, um, even from doctors, not just my parents. I don't think, I think my parents were mostly just in acting on what doctors told them to do. Um, but a lot of doctors basically will just tell parents of intersex children, that they need to just raise them one way or another type thing and not let them know, kind of hide it from them. I have friends who didn't even realize they were intersex until they were like 25, 30, like even later in life. And they have gone back and seen it on their medical records. Like it is completely hidden. 
um, for so many people. And luckily that's becoming less common today, but it still happens. Um, so there's this fear because of that. There's this fear that you won't be accepted. Um, and it's not like, a, it's like people literally tell you, you won't be accepted. No one will love you, all this stuff. And it's like really hard to start talking about it. But once I did, I felt pretty like accepted. Like people understood what I was like coming from. They were like happy I was speaking out, something like many of them hadn't heard of before. Uh, I found like, depending on the movement, there seems to be like a more or less accepted, um, like immediate exception anyways, like where people immediately accept you. Uh, I've found in the pro-life movement though, like sometimes people are kind of like off put by it or like kind of want to argue or do whatever. But I find that that just mostly comes from a place of like not understanding. Um, so it's really important to keep talking about it in like things like this so that people can continue to understand. Uh, I think, I don't think people, once they understand, like are purposely like hateful or um, they seem to be understanding once, I mean, sorry, they seem to be accepting uh, once they are more understanding what I'm talking about. But very often it's just kind of this immediate like um, pushback in many ways. So, but usually once people are able to understand, they're, they're very um, accepting and it seems, yeah, uh, decent. <laughs> Good. Do you find that you have been able to make a lot of connections in the pro-life movement? Um, or has this been sort of a, a major barrier towards working with people and getting involved? That's a really good question. Um, so in some way, I, I would say a little bit of both, to be honest. In some ways, it yeah. like definitely makes, I mean, just being um, on this variation and in many ways, like I'm also part of the LGBT community in other ways, but um, especially in this, like it's something I'm kind of born with. It's kind of this weird, it's in the LGBT community, but it's like also kind of different from a lot of things, but also really connected, especially in the ways that like we have to fight for rights. It's very connected in that way. Um, so it's very like, it's, strange sometimes like I can't have physical children no matter what or biological children sorry not physical I don't know if they're like imaginary or something but um, I can't have like biological children and I'll never be able to but it's so that makes it hard being a pro-life activist because a lot of times people will hold that against you and like I kind of understand it but then I'm also like this is like a human rights issue in general like obviously as we know like we're trying to protect people but many times, like, opposition will just kind of throw it at you, like, but you can't even have kids, why are you here, type thing. Um, and I feel like that's kind of hard, and it doesn't actually happen that, like, directly, but it's kind of this inherent thought in my mind all the time that people are thinking that, kind of like an insecurity, if that makes sense. Um, I found that... Yeah, kind of the insecurity is like a big hurdle. There's some communities that seem more accepting in general and some that don't. And sometimes even the ones that seem accepting are just like, I feel like I push the boundaries of what people think sometimes. And that can be a that can be hard. And that's just something maybe I need to work on. Maybe I'm I don't know. But yeah, and I'm rambling at this point. But it seems for the most part, it's like, 
yeah. And for the most part, it's been a little bit of good, a little bit of bad in terms of community. I think as you'd expect, um, there's definitely some people who kind of just don't want to associate with me because of whatever issues they have going on in their life that they haven't quite um, accepted people for being different. Uh, but for the most part, it it seems okay. Um, yeah. It's good. It's well, good. good. It's more and I think that it's also, so. <laughs> yeah, I think it's good that um, it's, it, I, my assumption is that you would l- probably get a lot more acceptance in a lot of pro-life spaces today than maybe you would have been getting 20 or 30 years ago. Um, and it, because I think I've seen that as a non-intersex member of the LGBT community that um, last year, our Pride Month special, we had on Sarah Terzo um, representing the Pro-Life Alliance of Gays and Lesbians who have just had a name change. So we'll talk about that uh, next. But um we had her on the episode and she talked about, you know, years where the the group of pro-life LGBT people would attempt to march in the March for Life and they would get physically removed by the police um, because the organizers of the pro-life March for Life did not want them as allies to the movement. And I think that to us today, that's so offensive and almost hard to believe. Um, and I'm I'm grateful that we've had all of this societal change that has made it so that it's not as controversial when we show up. I know that um, Playgal, now known as the Rainbow Pro-Life Alliance, has shown up to the Rehumanized Meetup at the March for Life. And we have with us, you know, Democrats for Life and progressive anti-abortion people and secular pro-life. And we have, you know, a diverse coalition there. And I think most of the time we're getting thumbs up from the conservative pro-lifers. They're excited that we're there constantly. um, I have people coming up to us and saying, thank you so much for representing this. This is great. Um, So I think that there's still a lot of work to be done. I think that... um, you know, we certainly do still run into opposition and people who are not necessarily comfortable with such diversity. Um, but I think that at this point, we're moving in the right direction. Definitely. And I, yeah, that's definitely sounds accurate to me. Um, it, it seems like for the most part, it is pretty positive. It's like the negative interactions just stick with you more, if that makes sense. And it shouldn't, but I think that's just human nature. So like, I mean, one example of a negative interaction at the March for Life, mind you, um, I had a pride flag on my sign and someone threw a Bible at me, which was moderately humorous because I'm a Christian, but um, also not humorous because I was like, why are you doing this? But um, it'd be what it'd be, basically. So that was kind of like, I was looking like, what? And then um, the people I were around were like, also who knew me anyways, were like, oh boy, this is ridiculous. But um, yeah. <laughs> so sometimes there's just these Yeah, well, I'm sorry that happened to you. you know? Yeah. But overall, you're right. It's it's definitely a lot more positive, especially like I'm sure a lot more positive than it was 20 years ago, like you said. So yeah. <laughs> so on the other hand, then uh, we experience sometimes uh, exclusion or, or kind of uh, getting Bibles chucked at us at uh, pro-life events uh, for representing the LGBT community. Um, on the other hand, then some members of kind of, I guess, the more mainstream LGBT uh, community uh, then uh, 
I saw this when uh, POW especially launched, um, like, call those of us who are in the pro-life movement, uh, like, uh, plants, uh-huh. conservative plants or something like that. Yeah. Um, so that we're all what, what? it doesn't like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so have you ever had any experience like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, like two days ago, actually, um, it might even been one day ago. It's very recent. I have a group chat with some animal rights friends here locally. I live in the Bay Area. Um, technically, I live in San Francisco, but I guess that's still the Bay Area. It's just the actual city. But um, anyways, um, so I live here and we have like a Pride is next weekend. Um, so we have a group chat for who's going to this like to the Pride Parade and to like Pride events. And there's like 30 of us in this chat. And someone that I used to be friends with, and I didn't even realize that we weren't friends anymore, to be honest, but um, I guess we're not. And even last year, like, we were actually, like, right before Dobbs, we were, like, pretty good friends, and then Dobbs happened, and we kind of stopped talking much, and I knew that they're pro, that they are pro-abortion, um, so, like, I kind of just figured that's why they didn't really communicate with me much, but I didn't really know we had a serious problem, and then they just posted in the group chat how they don't want to go to Pride if there's going to be pro-lifers there, and this, that, the other thing, and just, like, blew up the entire chat, removed me from the chat, there was, like, I didn't really argue much because I'm like, this isn't really the place to be arguing. But I said like a little like one or two line response, just like, hey, I'm not really going to pride to like talk about abortion, but I'd love to talk if you want to like one on one at some point type thing like that. Um, I don't even know exactly what I said. It wasn't even that. It was more intricate when I like PM them directly, but um, it was like a little one or two sentence in the group chat. But then like some person like agreed with me like, yeah, you know, that makes sense. and then. I got removed from the chat anyways. So I don't really know what's going on with Pride, but um, I might have to just show up and find my friends without the group chat. So <laughs> it's things like that. It's like people, like you said, on both both ways. So we get like a little bit of hate here and there from pro-lifers and the same thing with the LGBT community as a whole. There's just some, there's this mainstream argument in the LGBT community that's kind of like trying to connect like especially trans rights but lgbt rights in general with um being like pro-abortion and i don't i think i don't know i mean i could guess why that is in some ways i think planned parenthood is probably a large part of um kind of connecting those two things together but it seems that many times it's just like you're not really accepted no matter what you're doing if that makes sense um but you got to remember that, like, so many other times you are accepted in, like, both ways. Like, there are so many people in, like, my friends who are, like, LGBT community members who are even, like, very pro-abortion who still, like, just respect my position on, um, like, being against abortion. And even if, like, one of them is even, like, someone who will literally, like, use really horrible terms about, like, the pre-born and just one of those, like, really vulgar, like, pro-abortion people, but as long as we're not talking about abortion, um, me and her are actually pretty good, like, pretty decent friends, so it's, like, it's hard, it's, um, a lot of interconnectedness, and, like, the way the mainstream movement in both are just set up is, um, very sad that it's linked up that way, but, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and that's why I think the work that rainbow pro-life alliance does Mm -hmm. is so important just to represent the pro-life movement 
in LGBT spaces and to represent LGBT people in pro-life spaces. Um, because I know I've, I've tabled with them at pride events and we've gotten pushback, of course, you know, like we've gotten our signs ripped down and people have been angry that they allowed a pro-life group, um, at the, at the pride event. Um, but honestly, I remember I've done it a couple times and the, the feedback we get is mostly either curious or positive. We get so many people coming up to us saying, oh, wow, I didn't even realize there were other pro-life LGBT people. This is really important to me. There's plenty of LGBT people who are Christian, and that's very important to them. And part of their belief is being pro-life, along with, of course, many secular people who um, can see the oppression of the unborn as in line with their experience as a marginalized person. And so I think that I think that institutionally we sort of have a long road ahead of us. I am constantly very frustrated by organizations like Planned Parenthood, mm-hmm. but also basically all of the mainstream LGBT rights and advocacy organizations that put out statements after Dobbs saying this is an attack on LGBT people. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I personally find that so offensive that the, the rights of gay and trans people, um, as well as of course, intersex and bisexual and, you know, and anyone who is a marginalized gender identity or sexuality, um, that, their right to marry or to access healthcare is somehow seen as similar to the right to dismember a child. It just, it doesn't make any sense. Um, And to me, it has always been so offensive that those issues are linked um, and that so many progressive LGBT people don't seem to realize that that is... um, a problem. Um, But I think that that's why I'm grateful for Rainbow Pro-Life Alliance, which you have recently joined the board of. That's the organization formerly known as the Pro-Life Alliance of Gays and Lesbians. They changed their name to be more inclusive. um, And a bunch of new, young, excited activists have joined the board and are excited to do things like the March for Life and Pride Parades and be that representation for people who will then come up to us at those events and say, wow, I thought I was the only one. I never talk about this because I'm embarrassed that I'm the only one. Um, But I think it's really important. I think that these issues are, they're linked in that they are related to the oppression of human beings. And as a result, I think that we should be natural allies, pro-LGBT people and pro-life people. I think to me, these issues align perfectly. Um, unfortunately, to our wider movements, that's not always the case. Yeah, I feel like it. I agree with you, like that they do align, like pretty much perfectly. For that matter, I think it's about like equal rights for all, for the most part. Like in both being um, against killing preborn humans and um, standing up for the rights of LGBT people. I, I also just wanted to say something else real quick. Um, when it comes to like all this legislation that's going on, a lot of times, especially like people who are more conservative um, that I've seen on like uh, social media are like posting about like bans against like trans children's healthcare and stuff like that. And I, I just like, I wonder how like people don't, 
It's like I see it because I'm also follow intersex pages, but this is also affecting like intersex people. And like most of these bills that are being passed specifically make exceptions to allow the things that they're banning trans people to consensually like access to be forced on intersex people. Like, and it's just utterly ridiculous to me that like people keep supporting these things, not even just because like obviously they're horrible for like trans children and trans people in general, but like they're specifically allowing, like they write into the law in many cases to specifically allow these like forced surgeries, forced hormones, things like that on intersex children that obviously don't consent to it. Like I had a surgery when I was three months old to remove my testes. There's no way I can consent to that at three months old. And it was not medically necessary. So it's things like that that's just like specifically being allowed by these bills while then like not allowing trans people to access the healthcare they need. And that's just something like going on right now that I feel like a lot of people don't really know about or don't think about or don't pay attention to one or the other. Um, so I just want to kind of throw that out there too. As people are yeah. like, so many people I see are like on social media kind of arguing about these type of bills that are going on right now that are obviously tragic. Um, but it's, I feel like people don't see that happening and it's specifically like everyone's being targeted. Like that, like there, there's this attack on the LGBT community as a whole in every aspect of it. And we need to stand up just like we stand up for preborn humans to stand up for adults and for children as well, who are going through these awful things. And being forced to by oppressive governments, you know, it's it's just ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. At at Rehumanize International, we don't necessarily um, take a, stances on most LGBT rights issues. We have people, of course, who are totally affirming of LGBT people. We also have people who have um, perhaps not not as affirming, or maybe they have some. Um, uh concerns with certain things you know i have my own opinions um whatever but i think what we what we try to all agree on is inclusion and being welcoming even if we don't necessarily agree on the finite policy details um and another thing that i think i would like us all to agree on is what you're talking about here with these exceptions Mm -hmm. for intersex children um, and specifically the non-consensual surgeries, because I think that that's something that I didn't really fully understand was going on until I was an adult and within the LGBT community and knew intersex people who were able to explain to me, you know, this was done to me for cosmetic purposes or to, um, to more align with what is traditionally considered to look like or function like female genitalia or male reproductive uh, anatomy. Um, And I think that that's something that, you know, if people are concerned about the welfare of children, these totally non-consensual surgeries um, on often, you said three months old, year when you had one done to you. It varies Um, a lot. To me, that seems like it should be an area of agreement. It it, it should be. I, it's the medicalization of intersex people is really like what kind of fuels this as a whole. And as I said, I think I said a little earlier, it definitely is getting better. Um, but it's, it's still 
legal in almost everywhere to be giving these surgeries to children and it's um, to intersex children who are not old enough to consent to it, who do not need it. And I think, yeah, like you said, regardless of beliefs on anything else going on, I think that it's really important to note that if we want to protect children, like there's children that are being like undergoing procedures and being forced to take hormones that they're just not even wanting. Um, there, I have friends who were given hormones for um, one friend in particular I'm thinking of uh, is an intersex person who was given female hormones when they were like 13 and they were like, I'm not a girl, like stop making me take these. And um, it was, it, they've told that story before and eventually was able to stop taking them. But it was kind of like just forced that they take these female hormones. Um, and it's just like ridiculous that things like that are happening. Yeah, I was like three months old. Um, that's kind of common with Mine because I had a hernia that happened, long story short, um, and that's pretty common with androgen insensitivity because there are testes, but there isn't somewhere to the, for them to go, if that makes sense. Um, so but when that happened, they went to repair the hernia and then kind of like found out what's going on. Some people don't really have surgeries until a little bit later. Many people don't really realize um, if they kind of present um, feminine from birth type thing. Uh, they don't really recognize that they're intersex in some cases until they basically don't start puberty. Um, so, and again, there's like this wide range too of some people who are intersex and they're like adults and don't even know because they've never gotten their chromosomes tested or they've never like got their hormone levels tested, things like that. There's a lot of people just walking around today as like full adults who might be intersex and don't even know. Um, and that's, that's a thing too. It's such this wide spectrum. But all of these surgeries that are happening on children who, like, do not want them, we, sh we should be in full agreement that this is not acceptable. Um, same with, like, hormonal treatment of kids who literally do not want them or are not old enough to want them. Um, like, literally babies. Um, it, it's, yeah, it, it needs, we should be in agreement that this is not acceptable. And, yeah. <laughs> How much of a role do you think doctors play in this? Do you, do you think that it's, you know, I think you mentioned that you felt like, you know, your parents were just kind of yeah. being told that this is the right thing to do. Um, do you, is that sort of the, the story you get from a lot of other intersex people that it's not necessarily even parents wanting their children's you know, genitals or sex organs to look a certain way. It's that they're being told, well, this is the condition they have. And so this is what we do when that's the case. Basically. I mean, I, I feel like I can only like really give like the perspective of someone who's maybe like around my age, maybe a little old, maybe older. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like now ever since like 2010 ish, um, we've had like very quick social media, like things are very formed by like public opinion on social media, maybe even earlier than that. Honestly, there was MySpace before that. So, um, but it's, it's like, we already have, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but yeah, we already have this like, yeah. um, like way more public opinion now. So I think people who are having kids nowadays who happen to be intersex and it's um, being figured out in a doctor's office, basically that this kid is intersex. Um, they might be having a different experience than like my parents had or like people in their like twenties to forties or whatever, say that age range um, had when they were kids. 
Um, but I can speak from my personal experience that like my surgery happened in 1992. Uh, it's not like my mom and just pulled out her cell phone and started searching things that that, that wasn't a thing. Um, so to be able to research it, she would have had to like go to the library. I don't even, and read books. I don't even know if libraries really had computers at that point. Like it's just such a different world now that like, at least for my story and many people who I've heard from who are again around this age, it was kind of like this thing that happened at the doctor's office that like one day something happened and the doctors were like, well, we should just do this because they won't be accepted otherwise or, or they won't, they'll never live a happy life or whatever, like random things to just scare parents into doing this. And I think like some of that is like a genuine like fear that the doctors had, I guess, but like it shouldn't have been like, this shouldn't have ever been like a real fear for anyone like, it's hard to just go around blaming people because I think most people really do want to, like, do what's best for others. I think most human beings are caring about other people and they do want to do the right thing. Um, but it's hard not to say that, like, the doctors literally who should know the best and should be this source of, like, trusted information, um, but then they're encouraging, allowing, doing these type of procedures it's hard not to place the blame on them. Um, but I still feel like so many people as individuals really do try to do what's best. And they're just existing in a society that's not accepting of everyone and trying to navigate that. Um, so it's really sad, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's hard. Um, yeah, but I guess there, that makes I think sense it's definitely then. like, at least, at least at that time, I think it was definitely, yeah. Yeah doctors mostly but. yeah that i i appreciate that perspective because i think i often have a a desire to place the blame when something bad is going on um and i think that you're probably right i think that most of the doctors doing these procedures or um promoting them within the the medical space um think that they are for the benefit of children and also probably um there is some truth to the fact that people with intersex appearing bodies can be stigmatized. Um, and so it's sort of like a twofold approach mm -hmm. that one, these surgeries shouldn't be happening because um, I, I was looking over before this episode, I was looking over um, interact. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but they're an intersex rights organization. I used to um, be part of interact. Oh, really? Okay. Well, so I'm not sure if there's yeah, any, I, um, any reason you left, but um, I I was looking over some is, of their one resources. One is it's a youth group, but yeah, there is okay. a few reasons I left, but one is it's a youth group. And I think uh, I was like 25 or something at the time, maybe 26 at the time that I left. I was only in it for like two years, but another actually being like, um, I don't know if it was pro-life specifically, but something along those lines was uh, kind of the final thing I got pushed out. Um, I don't know if it was pro-life specifically. This was a couple of years ago, but it was something along these lines. Um, sure. But also I was almost aged out anyways. But yeah, they're a good group. No, right. no, sorry. No, nothing wrong with yeah, that. They're yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did. So I was just talking to Emiliano about this before um, 
before the call because I was, me and Emiliano were talking about, I was going through this website because they had some really good resources, um, some really good, like just 101 PDF, how to talk about intersex issues, how to talk to intersex people, what these terms mean. Um, because, you know, I'm, I'm sort of in the LGBT community. I, I know some intersex people, but I'm not an expert on this at all. And so I was looking at some of their resources, um, which I found really useful. And just because I, whenever I see a, um, a what is perceived as more progressive group, um, which I would say this group is, um, I kind of just am like, is are they also pro-abortion? Like I, I've been so jaded by nearly every LGBT rights organization posting a statement in response to Dobbs about how horrible pro-life people are and pro-life laws are um, that I just got curious. And so I searched on their website, abortion, and I asked only two things popped up on there. Um, and one was simply equating um, doing uh, a doctors refusing to do cosmetic um, routine uh uh, intersex surgeries on children um, to normalize their genitals, equating that to, well, you can just use the same um, policies that are already in place for anti-abortion doctors that they use. Um, so it was sort of a positive mention. And then the other mention of abortion was solely in a declaration um, with a list of demands for intersex rights that included things like banning the surgeries and um, uh, being more welcoming and lots of other good things. One of the demands was do not do selective abortions for intersex fetuses. Um, and so I was impressed. I was like, wow, finally, a, an LGBT aligned organization that isn't necessarily promoting abortion at every turn and in fact is willing to say, um, perhaps abortion is not always the the answer. And it certainly isn't for these eugenic reasons that are so often pushed. Um, and I think it's it sort of comes full circle because last year on our Pride Month special podcast episode, um, we had on Sarah Terzo and we were speaking about that thought experiment that we always use as LGBT pro-lifers. Um, Plagal was using this back in the 90s, this question of, um, you know, if one day there is some sort of uh, genetic test for preponderance for same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria, meaning that this child may grow up to be a member of the LGBT community. Um, if that exists, would you support abortion for gay and trans babies? Um, and we've always used that as a thought experiment. And as I was reading yeah. this document, I was realizing like this isn't a thought experiment. People are doing this. People screen yeah. out children with um, chromosomal issues or, or differences, um, and other, other types of intersex related conditions when they're doing things like IVF or even in abortion. Um, and so I think that it, not only are they connected because we're talking about two marginalized groups, but they're happening literally to the same people, both abortion and, um, LGBT related discrimination. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. I actually made like a silly TikTok um, about that, like as a trending sound type joke thing about that exact situation. Like if there was like a gay gene, um, the pro-abortion pro activists. Um, but anyways, yeah, it's very it's a very good thought experiment to talk to people yeah. about because I feel like sometimes they're like, no, you shouldn't do that. But then they're like kind of backtrack. It's very interesting. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, there's a there's a yeah, very old really bumper sad. sticker. It's literally happening to intersex people, so it's like yeah. it, it isn't even as much of an exper experiment when you focus in on like 
the fact that it is happening to intersex people who have chromosomal differences. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a very old bumper sticker that was somewhat popular in the eighties and nineties that said, um, you know, like if the, if the fetus you save was gay, would you still want to save them or something like that? Um, yeah. <laughs> and for, I hear pro-lifers always say, yes, like, no, obviously. Yes. I don't think it should be legal <laughs> to kill gay people. Um, and so I think that uh, it, it's, sort of for a while it's sort of fun in theory to turn that around and say well if the fetus you save or the fetus you abort is gay does that make you homophobic um but the answer sort of is is yes when you're doing it because of um them not necessarily fitting neatly into the box of male or female that to me is not something that aligns with progressive lgbt affirming values um, and so I would hope that at minimum, people who consider themselves allies to that community could understand that, you know, these these rights to live free from discrimination of any kind exist from the beginning of our lives. And that starts before we are born. Yep. Exactly. I think I think that's. I think that's an episode. Um, is there anything else that we haven't talked about? I feel like that's a good that's a good end of it. Um, Emiliano, do you have any other questions for Anna or anything else? Any other major topics that I totally neglected to um, discuss in this? But I feel like I feel like we hit them all. I hope that our audience well, learned yeah. something new, or if they didn't, they at least have some. Um, good resources to look into for how to learn some more about these issues. Yeah. Uh, so we are now coming up. We're six days on the day of recording this, uh, six days away from the one year anniversary of, uh, Dobbs. And mm-hmm. so we are living in a very different time now than we were when we recorded our pride month episode last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I think, uh, just, Really, everywhere you look, like nobody's happy about like some some situation because uh, all across the political spectrum in the U.S., we have uh, anti-life parties on uh, whichever side of the issue you want to focus on, uh, even as they are better on uh, some other issue. Um, so, uh. What is, uh, I guess, kind of like life as an LGBT um, pro-life person right now uh, when we are on the one hand celebrating the fact that uh, Roe versus Wade uh, was overturned at the federal level and uh, in some respects that like was due to uh, Trump being able to uh, assign three Supreme Court justices um, at the same time as our community is uh, under attack by lots of times the same people who uh, were able to uh, get that really, you know, important victory for human life. Um, So uh, how do you and and other people at PlayGal kind of navigate this uh, exciting but uncomfortable and even dangerous time for us as a community uh, at the same time as we uh, continue to defend the right to life of other people. 
Oh, and I'm sorry, I said Playgal. I said Playgal. Uh, Rainbow. Rainbow. That's all right. Don't dead oh, name wow. Playgal. Well, don't don't dead name Rainbow Pro Life Alliance. I just did it. I know. In that joke, um, <laughs> it, they, they have changed their name. Rainbow Pro Life Alliance. Rainbow Pro Life Alliance. How how are we getting through Which, it? How are we getting through it, fam? Yeah. So um, it's basically just pushing through. Essentially, I I feel like no matter where you're at, like no matter what you're focusing on, in so many ways, there's just so much, um, so many issues going on right now in our world. I mean, there there basically always is, um, but living in a world where like abortion has become even more politicized since Roe v. Wade was overturned, at least in the way I see it, 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 it seems like it's become even more um, in everyone's mind beyond the activists, but like in the day-to-day, the news, the people's heads, all that stuff. And also at the same time, we do have all these attacks on the LGBT community, um, which at least from I'm where I'm seeing it anyways, it seems like way more than I'm used to seeing. So it seems like in both, it's just these ex- these extremes of like way more attacks and um, maybe not, I mean, I'm sure there's more physical attacks as well, but I mean like verbal attacks, like people um, and attacks from legislation as well in many ways. But I feel like we need to just basically stay firm on, on equal rights, essentially being like for uh, against oppression of everybody and in doing so and being like as consistent as we can be possibly like opening opening minds of people who might be on one side or another I think it's really hard to be at this intersection um between especially just focusing on LGBT and pro-life issues like just being at this intersection it can be hard in a lot of ways and it I think community is pretty important um having a community around you like talking to people like Maintaining your own personal health and stepping away if you need to um, is really important. I I think we often, not even often, almost all the time as activists, like kind of feel this pressure to keep going and to keep fighting and to keep like doing everything that we can and basically wear ourselves out by doing more than we can. Um, And I think many people, at least myself, um, but many other activists kind of feel this uh push that like if you're relaxing if you're taking a break if you're going on vacation or something that like you're kind of letting people down and I don't think we need to think that way because we need to continually fight for sure like lots of things are going on but we all need to take care of ourselves because if we don't take care of ourselves then we won't be able to continue fighting and I think it's very important when we have this intersection where we're getting this attack on both sides, um, as well as within our own communities getting attacked um, in both sides as well. So it's it's hard. Um, I kind of lost track of the actual question, to be honest. But um, well, it's a good answer. But yeah, I think like it's just really important to that to remember self care, to remember community, and to just stick around people and to stick through it because we're getting attacked from every single way and that's just how it is right now and I think it's great that um that Dobbs helped overturn Roe v. Wade I I also celebrated that myself um but it is a great point 
that because of the way that um, LGBT and pro-life issues have been linked politically um, in mainstream movements and especially like just politically, um, it's hard when you have, you're rooting for something that one um, side uh, typically is rooting for and then you're also rooting for many things that another side or one side or whatever. So you're rooting for things that like both sides kind of want, but both sides also don't want the other thing um, when we're in this dual political system. Um, But it's really important to remember that you can be both. Like you can be part of the LGBT community and you can be pro-life. You might have these interpersonal conflicts or uh, deal with a little bit more stress than um, the standard person, but I think it's worth it to stand up for the lives of others. Also, pretty cool on that note that both me and Herb are wearing vegan shirts right now. So, <laughs> so true. I'm always wearing a vegan shirt. If you get, the podcast listeners can't see me, but they can just assume that I'm always wearing some sort of vegan propaganda. It's I my my work is exclusively human rights focused in the context of Rehumanize International. Um, so whenever I am not on screen, I am always wearing something something vegan. But whenever I am representing us with my face, it's usually something pro human rights. Um, though I also support animal rights. So thank you, thank you for mentioning that. I love talking about being vegan and being very annoying about it. Thank you for reminding me to do it on this episode, and I do it almost every other one as well. <laughs> we should do. We got to do a vegan animal rights episode at some point. I'm not. I, I'm. I, I lots of times end up being the not vegan on uh, the podcast, but um, Ew. <laughs> I I know that morally I should be. Yeah. If you ever need uh, help figuring it out, let us know. Recipes, yeah. Yeah. Though we will always accept right. you. We just will uh, will really accept you if you become vegan. Um, just kidding. We're I, we're we're friendly. Um, but anyway, thank you, yeah, Anna, for coming on the podcast. <laughs> um, I hope you have a happy Pride Month and a happy Pride Parade, and you can find people to celebrate with in San Francisco. Yep. <laughs> you as well. I know you Thank already you. went to the parade, but I hope you have a happy Pride Month and you as well, Emilio. Thanks. Emiliano. Thank you. I just realized that we missed the parade in our town yesterday. Oh, no. Oh. That's okay. <laughs> um, Anna, before we leave, do you have any uh, social media websites, plugs you want to give um, that we can also add to the the caption of the post when we publish this and also the listeners can just write down now if they are listening. Sure. Um, you could follow my personal um, at ANA is on Instagram at ANA is Anna underscore pro life. Um, pretty simple to find, but also uh, definitely follow Rainbow Pro Life Alliance. Um, I think it's on Instagram at Rainbow Pro Life, but there's also a Facebook and probably other things but at least those there's two. a twitter there's um, definitely a twitter i don't think there's a tiktok yet yes. but maybe one day yes i'm barely on twitter but there is a twitter but yeah so definitely follow um rainbow pro life and you can follow me if you'd like um but yeah <laughs> great thank you anna thank you right. thanks so much